Welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. Something that has been on my mind lately is that we have so many opportunities in life to challenge ourselves, personally and professionally, but how do we know when we've taken on too much, picked off more than we can chew? I think we all have this vision of who we are and who we want to become, but at some point we have to be open to new experiences some we may have never anticipated because it's those unforeseen changes that make us the people we really are. Getting there requires an open mind, a highly desirable quality, but the truth is it's far easier said than done. And as I strive to be more open-minded, especially when it comes to my life goals, every day I affirm what is possible. Here are two new affirmations I say daily. The first being, I am worthy of access and ease. The second, I am open and ready to receive all that is for me. My guest today, Maya Washington, is not afraid of a change. Back in 2012, she bravely moved away from a life of predictability to start a career as a YouTube star, just because she wanted the challenge. To be this authentic, you absolutely have to embrace the unknown, revel in it. Today, Maya's going to clue us in on how she has adapted so elegantly in this beautiful but unpredictable world. But I think what I'm realizing about myself is I pursue a hard life because I want Mm. challenge and I want to grow. And I just have like a short attention span, you know? Like safety (laughs) doesn't make me feel good. Safety, I think, I shouldn't say that. It's not safety. It's like, Easy doesn't make me feel good. I want a challenge. I I want to be challenged and I want something new. I, I want to experience something new. And at the end, Maya tells us who she wants to learn about love and life from in our Sankofa moment. We have to lead with love and, you know, go to Corinthians, find out what, you know, definition of love is, but lead with love first. And it it's not design or nothing. It's not colognes and fancy dinners. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so, well, first of all, everybody, I am struggling with allergies, and so my my voice sounds a little crazy, but I'm going to shamelessly... Uh, just keep using the voice that God gave me because it just is what it is. But Maya, I am so happy that you're here. Um, I have been a long, long, long time fan of yours. I feel like, honestly, I moved to Los Angeles in February of 2010. And I feel like once I discovered you, it kind of helped me get through the Los Angeles journey a little bit better. Um, You're just amazing. I just think you're I didn't know you were... That following me that long. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been a longtime fan of yours. And I really just think I, I've gravitated towards you because you're so authentic. And I just really enjoy and love authentic people. And I just also think that being a vlogger, being someone who blogs, being someone who is constantly sharing their life with others 
Like, that's so fearless of you. I remember when I found out that you were pregnant, I was like, ah, it felt like we were all pregnant. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was, I, yeah, that was very exciting. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm excited just to be with you because I have been admiring you all the oh. way here in Sweden. Okay, so... I'm going to start with some icebreaker questions. Okay. So what's your favorite Canadian meal and what's your favorite Swedish meal? Oh, girl. <laughs> Can it, okay. This sounds a bit bizarre, but when I was living in Canada, which is like lifetimes ago, I was living in Toronto and Toronto has lots of island people. So mm. West Indian food is big. And my favorite dish was jerk chicken and rice and peas. Which yes. sounds bizarre for being Canadian, but somehow jerk chicken, rice and peas is synonymous with Toronto. So that was my favorite Canadian <laughs> meal. <laughs> <laughs> and Swedish. Oh, I'll go with, I won't say meal, but we have a thing out here called Fika. And it's just a coffee break. And they're big on their coffee and their pastries. So I've been oh. indulging in pastries. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so what's your favorite pastry? I, I mean, my favorite pastry is uh, chocolate croissants. <laughs> mm, <laughs> but mm, they have this mm, thing mm. called a semla. And it's like this pastry that has like cream and like it's like a, a whipped cream inside. It's just bad, but it's Ooh. it's so good. It's so mm. bad. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I'm so hungry. Okay, um... <laughs> So your blog was called Shameless Maya. Yes. So tell me, what's the last truly shameless thing that you did? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like the last shameless thing I did was this morning on Instagram stories when I was like showing people how I pump without a pumping bra and just make shifting my shirt and pulling my bra down and posting that on Instagram. I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> these mamas need to know. And here you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And that's shameless. And that's why we all love you. So I want to know about the beginning. Take me back. You mm -hmm. grew up in Canada, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in Toronto, Canada. And my dad's side of the family is American. And my mom is Filipino, but they both met in Canada. Ah, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So what would you say that Canada taught you? Like, what about your upbringing do you still carry with you today? Oh, you know, Canada was so encouraging and supportive. I like to think of Canada as a high school, college, where they're just nurturing the talent. There's so much mm. talent that comes out of Toronto, and it's really based on just supporting the arts because I think we're so exposed to diversity and all these mishmash of cultures. So that's what I love about being in Canada, just the supportive nature of it. And then having left, I was like, oh, oh, this is how it gets down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and so when did you leave and what prompted you to leave? I think in 2010. 2010 mm. is when I left Canada and I moved to New York. And originally what prompted it was love. I had moved mm. to be with my then fiance and I was doing the whole New York hustle, being a cocktail waitress, you know. Wow. Um, I had multiple jobs. I had like three jobs as a cocktail waitress. 
And then I was also doing like voiceover acting. I was also assisting photographers. I was doing the most. And I was just looking at my environment and surroundings and being a Canadian in New York. I'm like, man, these New Yorkers are shameless. And Mm. if you want to make it, you got to be shameless. And as a Canadian, we're always like, sorry, sorry. Like, no, we got to like just be so apologetic and in a sense, humble. And so Mm. New York taught me by essentially like through the clothes you wear, how you express yourself through your hair, your makeup, just to put yourself out there and express yourself the way that you want to. So I had decided because I was so inspired by people in New York that I was going to try to be shameless myself. And of course, I thought, let me do this in a social media experiment. Actually, Uh you know who had introduced the idea of starting social media was Andrea Lewis. Mm, she was yeah, the one shout who out was to like, Andrea. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Andrea Lewis. She was the one who was saying, Maya, you know how to operate a camera and you know how to present yourself in front of a camera. You should go on YouTube. And I'm like, why would I go on YouTube? Like YouTube is for how to's and no, I couldn't do it. But I was more interested at my reaction to her suggestion. And then I started mm. to ask myself, well, why are you cringing at that idea? What's that about? Let's dig into that. So it's like, you should make your YouTube channel about that because you're cringing and that's, you're cringing at the shameless factor. And you got to remember like 2010, social media was still, like Instagram had just started and it was only available on iPhones. (laughs) So. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, (laughs) again, shout out to Andrea Lewis. For, For those of you who may not be familiar with her, she is a talented actress content creator. A lot of us know her from Degrassi. She's a proud West Indian Canadian. Um, (laughs) She's just, she's fabulous. But I love hearing that she was the person that kind of gave you a little bit of a nudge. That's amazing. She she definitely planted the seed. Yeah. And then I kind of just took it and ran with it. So it was originally just a social media experiment on what would happen Mm -hmm. if I shamelessly promoted myself for one year back in 2012. And the one year has since turned into over 10 years. Okay, so before we get into the inception of Shameless Maya, I want to go back to how you were feeling at that time in your marriage. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of women talk about this, right? Feeling like their partner, whether it's a husband, a boyfriend, whatever, gets them, right? You know, they have a great relationship. Mm -hmm. And then they start really living for themselves, being very ambitious, being, you know, a boss lady, right? And then the relationship starts to become more fragile and fall apart. And it's perplexing, right, to to us because it feels like, isn't this what you want? Don't you want me to be ambitious and going after my dreams and goals? So while you were going through that, what did Mm -hmm. it feel like and what did you do about it? How did you find the strength to actually do something about that? Wow, this is, I have to go like teleport back to then. I know. (laughs) But at the time, I was, I was so hurt because here I was, I had discovered this new avenue on YouTube and I, I was really passionate about it despite, you know, not getting the views or whatever the case is. Yeah. So 
I was excited and I was just hurt that he didn't share in my excitement. And if anything was telling me that I shouldn't be doing this, I should really focus on working more as a cocktail waitress, picking up more shifts. So it was a very confusing time because I'm trying to do something that is asking a lot of my passion. And then at the same time, my marriage is asking me to be responsible. And so Mm. I I feel like I'm being torn, but I couldn't help but pursue my heart, which was Mm -hmm. creating at the time videos for YouTube, as silly as it sounds. I was so confused because part of me wanted to, was hoping he would change. I was Mm -hmm. hoping that he would appreciate who I am, what we have. It went, it went really toxic, but it really started very beautifully. So it was a, it was a shock to my system to see how good intentions can start there and then they can just kind of grow and fall apart. Well, that, you know, I, I'm so sorry that you went through that. And I think it's a story that a lot of women, especially, but people can just relate to. What I'm curious about is the strength and the endurance you had to possess to be going through such a tumultuous time in your marriage and your household, yet really still being enthusiastic and optimistic about this new venture that you're on. If if you can stay in the moment with me, how how do you think that you were able to do that? Because I know, I'll tell you this, Maya, I struggle Mm. with that, right? When things are really, really tough in my personal life, it can mm. tend to bleed into other areas. I'm not um, yeah. I'm not a good compartmentalizer. It's like we're kind of all jumbled yeah. in this box. So is that what you were doing? I think it was a combination of, I felt like I was drowning, to be honest. Like, mm. I felt like I was in over my head and I was just trying to survive and as bizarre as it sounds, making videos for YouTube was my safety raft. Like it was the thing that I held on to, and it's what got me out of this dark. I felt like I was trapped in a dark hole, and this light was the only thing that brought some kind of happiness in my life. So I just clung on to it. And mm. it could be part compartmentalizing. It could also be, I don't know, workaholic. It could be, um, even a blessing in disguise, whatever it yeah. was. For some reason, my brain said, this is going to save you. Like, cling on. And I just did. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so when did you know that Shameless Maya, your vlog, was working? Mm. When did that hit you? So in the beginning, I was writing on this high of what I th- thought was like me overcoming my shame and fear. Mm. When people are like, okay, that's a cool concept, but we really like your hair, girl. Let's talk about the hair. And to me, again, this is 10 years ago when hair wasn't as big as it is today. And I I was like, why would I talk about my hair? This is such a bizarre <laughs> thing. Um, yeah. But I was like, you know what? F it. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give them what they want. So when I did my natural curly hair routine video, mm. that video went viral at the time. And I was so shocked that a hair video could go this viral. And I'm like, you know what? After I finish my one year of being shameless, I'm going to shave all this hair off. Mm. 
because mm. I didn't want to be defined by this. And the fact that everyone was so on board because of it, I was like, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to get rid of it. And okay, then shaving wait. my hair made me go viral. <laughs> I get Wow. So, so what I want to know is, what did the peak of Shameless Maya feel like? And what did the valley feel like? Oh, okay. <sighs> I remember just the pursuit. I think I had in my head at some point, I was like, I should try to get a million subscribers. Mm. Um, and I wasn't an overnight success by any means. Like, I worked <laughs> very hard to, like, climb this mountain. But that pursuit of, like, trying to get more subscribers, trying to get more views, it was fun thinking of creative ways where I could blend in things that I enjoyed with things that viewers enjoyed. And so I tried my best to do a balance of both and tried to blend them into one video, but it never, it didn't always work out that way. So I would have to do an alternation. I'll give something for them. I'll do something for me, something for them, something for me. So when I was chasing that, I would say hi, it felt really good. I don't want to say getting there because I, I don't ever know if you know you get there. But the having started in New York and ending up in L.A., I, I suppose arriving to L.A. and, you know, having the nice home, the, the fancy car, like, I guess that was the pinnacle. And so wait, so pause, 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 pause. How do mm -hmm. we get there? How do we get from New York, we're struggling Multiple. in a marriage, <laughs> To yeah. now I can move to Los Angeles. I have a home. I can have a nice car. How did, what, what, how did we get there? What happened? How did we get yeah. there? Well, I just, I was literally obsessed with work. So when my husband had mentioned the divorce, we tried counseling. He checked out and then he like checked out. So I was like, okay, we got to end this. Like as positive and ambitious as I am. I know when I'm not wanted. <laughs> and if mm. I'm not wanted, why are you keeping me tethered with this piece of paper? You're clearly out living your best life. <laughs> so let's end this. So when yeah. he finally did, I was just, I think, I think that divorce, as painful as it was, one, it brought me closer to God. Mm. I had never really read the Bible. I know passages and, you know, I was going to church here and there, but Going through that dark divorce brought me closer to God. It brought me to reading the book. It brought me to going to church. And I, I really feel that throwing myself into my spirituality and work, like faith in motion, like, girl, that, that's some powerful-ish. And so it I just is. kept working. And then I, I started to get brand partnerships. Brands started mm. to be a new thing. I started to get a lot of speaking engagements, hosting. I did a lot of red carpet hosting. Mm. I found myself flying to LA a lot to the point that I was just sleeping in New York. And I'm like, what am I doing? I need to, to move there. So I think it took three or four years. Yeah. It was a lot of, you know, for me, I was literally editing from, I don't know, the time I woke up till like, you know, four in the morning. Like it was, mm. I was running on four or five hours of sleep, but I enjoyed it. Like I was like, I, I need to like edit, edit, edit. And so I was the queen of editing, filming and turning videos around. I was uploading like three videos a week at one point. 
Like, who does that? Mm, I can wow. barely get one video up a month. <laughs> I can't do a TikTok video to save my life. That takes me four Girl, days. Girl, you and me both. I'm like, <laughs> child, I'm struggling on the social media, okay? So now we're in Los Angeles. We've let go mm. of a toxic marriage. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. We're making money. Um, mm-hmm. You're no longer having the cocktail waitress. Nope. Um, so... What was the valley? When did it? When did we go to the valley? Oh, right. The valley, yes. Fast forward, I had opened a production office with staff. Mm-hmm. And we had editors, we had videographers, we had production managers. And I would say that was the pinnacle. But I would also say that's when it... Not too long after we opened that office, did it... I don't think things through. I just do. Mm. <laughs> but when I turned that corner of being my own boss to now being a boss to others. Mm. I would say that's when the turn happened and then now you're responsible for the livelihoods of others. It's not necessarily following your heart. It's now following the check because if you don't, they won't get paid. Yeah, And that is the, I would say the valley when I lost, I stopped for whatever reason, I stopped making revenue. I was approaching investors. I was working really hard to get scripts and projects optioned. Mm. I I did everything I could on my end, but for whatever reason, it just was like hitting a wall. And I had to come to another realization where this was different. I was breaking up with my production. It kind of reminded me of my divorce, but I would say this was even harder because mm. I had dedicated staff that I had to let go. And thank God, like I was waiting. Cause I'm like, I don't want to fire people, but I gave them the heads up. And so thankfully they started to look for work. And then I finally had to like, let one person go. And that was the hardest thing for me to do. Like to, to say I failed, I mm. can't keep this going. And that was the, the lowest low. I just remember just crying and feeling like a major failure. That was the the valley. Just I remember crying in my loft in this big, <laughs> big LA loft, and I'm just yeah. like, I have nothing. And I, yeah, that was my lowest low. I I love that you're being so transparent about this because I think the life that you've lived is one that a lot of ambitious women aspire to live. It's hard to admit that you're going through financial hardship when you know people are depending on you. But your transparency in that moment, and even still now, I think is, I'm very impressed by it. I really am. Oh, thanks, Ashley. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess my, my caveat to anyone out there is like, being a boss does come with responsibility. And if you have the energy, you know, go for it. Like, when I think back to it, yes, it was hard to get towards the end. But before that, it was so much fun. It was a group of us who had a dream and we were just chasing. Mm. And I don't think I would trade it for the world. I, I had so much fun doing it. But also when that was, you know, in a sense, taken from me, I'm like, okay, that was a, that was a great experience. Check. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. uh, what else do we got? Okay, motherhood relocating to a different country and learning a new language. Okay. Never done that before. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. So now I need to hear about where you're at now. Talk to me about the day you met your husband, Max. 
Oh, okay. So I met him, what are we, maybe oof, three years ago. What are What does that bring us to? 2019? Yes. Yes, 2019. I was now, you know, six years post-divorce. I had dated and I had been celibate <laughs> also. And so I just remember I was in my loft in L.A. I had dug myself out of this financial hole, this financial ruin. I got out. Now I'm standing on my own two feet again. And I I asked myself, who can I share this excess with? And then I started asking myself, maybe you're open to another shot at marriage. I just, I couldn't help but think I wanted, I want that family, like a a happy wife, a happy husband and a child that gets to experience a whole home versus a broken home. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, you're not getting any younger. Like how, what do you want to put as a priority? Do you want to go back into the hustle mode towards work or do you want to focus on love? And so I was like, you know, I'm going to try love one more shot. So I I started to uh, date. And then I remember somehow I got bamboozled into a date, into a dating relation, like an exclusive relationship. I didn't want to be exclusive (laughs) with anyone. I got bamboozled. And the nice person, the nice side of me was making excuses as to why I should stay in this. And he finally did me the favor. Like God was like, you stubborn child. If you don't get away from this man, like... You're going to pay for this. So he ended up having to cheat on me for me to be like, deuces, I'm out of here. Like, had he not done that, Uh. I don't know how much, not much longer, but I would have, I need like clear, obvious signs that this is over. So when that ended, I was so in shock with myself. I'm like, how did you end up in this relationship that Mm. was so manipulated? I was shocked Mm. with him, but I was more shocked with myself. I'm like, how much work have you really done in these last six years? And it's it's easy to do the self-inner work when you have no one to check you. When you're alone in your bubble, everything is fine. But the minute you start stepping out, you have to deal with people. And so I realized, I don't know what the heck I'm doing in the dating world. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel lost. So I reached out to a relationship therapist. I found online. She's in LA. She's a woman of color. And she was like helping me get specific. What do you want? I want you to write it down. I want you to write the feelings associated with that. I want you to write down like what an ideal day looks like. I want you to write all of this down. And that's for you. You're not writing anything to please anyone. You're writing it to please you. And if you want to change what you've written, You can change it at any time. And so I had written all these things out. And she also had like write out 10 qualities. And of those 10 qualities, what five are the must fives that you need? And so I did all of that work. I was reading books on relationships. Girl, when I go in, like I really go in. Now that I see that, I'm like, I know. Okay, I I did the most. (laughs) I was reading books on relationships. I was like, what was the book I? Calling in the one. That was another. Really oh my gosh. I've read that too. Yeah. I did Is that it? to okay. get over uh, my ex. Yes. yes. Girl. Calling I opened in the myself one. fully to give and receive love. 
Calling in the One is that book, everybody. Everybody, I just suggested it to another friend. It's such a powerful yeah, book. It really is. It was is. such a powerful book. So that book, I would say compounded with the, the relationship therapist I had was like double whammy. And I just remember I did all this work and I was in such a happy place. I was constantly smiling that I somehow was starting to get like men approaching me. And I never in LA, like men were not interested in me. To the point that Ditto. I was like, do I have to grow my hair out? Like, what is going on? <laughs> my friends were like, what's going on? How are you always getting? I'm like, I don't know. It's just, I'm just in a happy place. Anyways, fast forward to my birthday. I book a plane ticket to Colombia because I just wanted to be alone and I wanted to surf. And I just really wanted to be out of my comfort zone again. And while I was there, I was just in my own bubble. Like I was just so taken back by the beauty of Colombia not really paying attention to the people at this place, but they were very young. And um, <laughs> Max, my husband, or my just Max at the time, was staying at the same place. And we were the two loners at this surf hostel. Everyone was like in groups. And he and I were traveling solo. And we just ended up talking. And I'm like, this guy is mad cool. So I mm. took him... As a friend, I'm like, oh my God, he's so young. He's so smart. He's he's so, I just loved who he was. But I thought in my head, I love who you are and I love who you will be someday for someone else. Like, mm. not for me. I just was like, oh, he's such a lovely human being. Wow. But backtracking, well, yeah, I had written, because I had that therapist, she had me write down what does an ideal day look like? What are these qualities? And I just remember going back to my journal and reading that. And we had spent the ideal day mm. together in Colombia. He was these qualities. So I was like, that's a done deal for me. <laughs> wow. Okay. So how did you and when did you dive in? You know, I know that, you know, Max is not what you were used to. He's no girl. Uh, white, he's... Let's talk about the elephant in the room. He's white, and I had never dated a white <laughs> man before. I never actually said that, like, point blank. <laughs> okay, so he's white, and he's 12 years your junior. How did you really feel about those things? So the I guess the first thing was his age. Let's uh, put that mm -hmm. into perspective. 12 years, I'm like, that's like a hard, like, how is that even possible? <laughs> um we were talking and I put him in the friend category. So it was easy to see him as a friend. I have friends that are older, younger. I have friends that are all colors of the rainbow. So it was fine for me to put him there. But the more that I got to know him, the more I could see him clearly. And I'm like, wow. In my previous relationships, I don't think these men would be friends with my friends. Like mm -hmm. I would keep kind of the group's separate or wow. they would fall into like, oh, this is my boyfriend or my husband. Whereas Max, this is my friend mm. and you can come chill with us. You can roll with us because he was what I had written. I could see through the age. I could see through the race because race was actually a, another hurdle I had to get over because I had this idea. I had on my vision board, like the Obamas. <laughs> and I was just like, you don't look like that. But then again, I have to go in and have conversations with God. I'm like, 
what's what's important here? What's the priority? Because you've had men that have come in packages that are beautiful, but you aren't fulfilled and yet you still pursue. So yeah, I just I gave it a chance and he did not disappoint. I jokingly mm. say, you know, ladies, you got to buy low and sell high. <laughs> so I feel <laughs> that I have front row seats to this show where I get to um, see him grow into more of a, a man. Like he's very mm. young when I met him, but his emotional intelligence was off the scales. Like I had been dating guys in their 40s and the maturity, like he was having conversations about awareness and issues he had. And men that were grown were not even able to point out a flaw they had. So I don't know. It was just kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah. So you, I mean, the moral of the story is that you follow your heart. You follow and your you heart. Listen, and you listen to God. You listen, you listen. to what, to what is being told to you and you follow that no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. Don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to the pastor. Mm. Don't listen to your mom. Like, listen to God. <laughs> Oof. Mm. And, 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 I mean, how amazing is it that it's like, how could you ignore it? It's like you got yeah. some singles at this place. You had just written all these things out that you wanted and here he is, you know. And I would say, you know, I don't want to say ignore your family and friends because if they're like telling you red flags are in your face. Yes. But thankfully, my friends and my family were like, wow, he's he's a, a splendid man. <laughs> <laughs> they confirmed what I felt. So that was also yeah. reassuring. Okay, so I remember when you posted this, that you were moving to Sweden. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Sis is moving to Sweden. Yeah, like pandemics which, will do that. <laughs> for, you know, I, I you know, just being honest, as a black woman, I'm like, is she gonna be okay out there? Is she gonna feel a sense of community? You know, I, I you know, I was just thinking, I, I know that you have a family and all of that, but how again, you fall I know that you follow your heart, but what did that feel like? Really deciding to make that transition from America to Sweden. Yeah, I I could never have fathomed living in Sweden. Like, that was not part of my vision board. I did not have a farm, like, country home. No, that wasn't. If anything, I said, you know, it'd be nice to be somewhere warm. But I had remembered when I moved to L.A., I, I told myself, well, what's after L.A.? And the first thing that popped in my head was somewhere in Europe. But I forgot that thought. Ah. And then I started thinking, oh, I got to go to a beach like Bali. Bali seems nice. The pandemic was starting. And when they had locked everything down, I'm like, I took my money out of my retirement investments. Mm. And I was like, I need to transfer this into a tangible asset. That was like my thought process. Mm. I looked into Bali. I could, but in Bali, you cannot own land. You can rent. Mm. You can do a 99-year lease. The Philippines also, I looked into the Philippines. I'm like, can, you can't own land. And I was like, I don't know. But for some reason, I, the idea of owning land was very important to me. I only had a finite amount of money. And I wanted to own things outright. I didn't want no mortgage. And mm. so out of curiosity, I was like, Max, how much are homes over there? Like, 
what does a home down the street from your dad cost? And when he started telling me the prices, I'm like, what? <laughs> like he said, like 50,000, 25,000. Mm. And I'm like, I could buy a few of those. <laughs> so when he started yeah. to look, my mind, I was thinking it's an asset, just buy the asset. And so I, I just bought it just as a mm. means to protect my investment. Uh, but in doing so, and the pandemic happened, and we were all locked down. And I'm like, I started to question life even more. Like, as beautiful as LA is, I don't want to live here if I have no one to share it with. Like, I asked myself this question a few years ago, and here I am stuck in LA. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. Yeah, that was actually really smart, to be honest, that you protected your finances with a, with a smart investment. That's amazing. And then, so out of this beautiful love came Saga, your daughter. My How daughter has motherhood been? How has it been, Maya? I mean, the real real is, you know, Saga is living up to her name. She is not an easy daughter by any means. And it's been such a challenge. And I would say being away from family and community has been a major challenge. And then living on the countryside, girl, I don't have access to like, you know, lactation consultants. Um, mm. So the onus was put on me. I had, I had educated myself a lot up until this point, but there's only so much you can learn from a book. So it has been hard, but I feel like I have gotten out of the eye of the storm. Postpartum is a mother. And in the process of getting out and having to lean on Max's family, mm. I, I now have a new family. Like, they don't look familiar. Like, you know, I grew up in a Filipino household. So it's very different Filipinos compared to Swedes. But... When you have a child, your priorities start to rearrange. And it's a child will really bring, I mean, for some families together and for others, tear others apart. But yeah. Saga has brought me close to Max's family and I feel less isolated. I have found community of, you know, girls that look like me. Thank God. Mm, <laughs> I, yes. I have my culture. <laughs> when I go to the cities, um, I have friends that understand what I'm going through because it, it is hard. But I think what I'm realizing about myself is I pursue a hard life because I want mm. challenge and I want to grow. And I just have like a short attention span, you know, like safety <laughs> doesn't make me feel good. Safety, I think, I shouldn't say that. It's not safety. It's like easy doesn't make me feel mm. good. I want a challenge. I, I want to be challenged and I want something new. I, I want to experience something new. So I won't say Sweden is forever, but it definitely is for now. And when I'm ready to rewrite the script, I'll do that. But for now, I'm here. Oh my goodness. I love that. So Maya, what has been your takeaway from our conversation? Life is very colorful if you let it. Mm. Be open to having ideas and having dreams and also leaving some pages blank because 
it can be hard, but out of that hardship comes beauty. It's so beautiful. Mm, I love that. Yeah, my my takeaway is kind of similar. My takeaway is to be shameless in the in the many lifetimes that I will live. Like, and what I mean by that is just in talking to you, it seems like you've lived so many different lives in one lifetime. And that's beautiful. It's it's like you've become a butterfly multiple times. You've gone into the cocoon, came out as a butterfly, gone back into a cocoon, flown out as a butterfly. And that is really the goal of life is to still be able to come out as a butterfly. And that's so powerful to, to see you living such a different life, but it's still being the life that was always meant for you. And I'm going to hold on to that as I journey through my life to, to help me have a little less shame and also have more excitement about whatever God has in store next. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maya. I, no, seriously, I'm coming to visit. As soon as that house is done, girl, I'm coming over. <laughs> yes. Thank you. After the credits, Maya sharing who from history she's sitting down with to get the guidance for the next steps in her adventurous life. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a production of OWN and LWC Studios. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lentigua. Its senior editor is Verilyn Williams. Sound designer is Cedric Wilson. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Assistant producers are Lauren Francis and Michelle Baker. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you do, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. So I have a little history question for you. So you have boldly (laughs) followed your heart and passion at so many different points of your journey, yet you have not hesitated to seek guidance every step of the way. So what historical figure do you wish you could sit down with to get their advice and guidance? I mean, the most obvious one for me is Jesus. Yes. Like, here's a scenario. If Jesus was walking down the street today Mm. and gave you a compliment and wanted to tee you up for dinner, I know half, I don't know, I know 90% of women would say, a hell hard no. You would say no to Jesus and yes to Pontius Pilate. Okay, girls? Wow. (laughs) We got to reassess our priorities because the core of who Jesus is is love. 